Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. That kid is back on the escalator again. Ain't gonna hurt. Is my boomstick. Game over, man. Game over. Welcome to the Bargain Bin. He is your host, Ben Mason. And he is your co-host, Sandro Luketic. And today we're talking 2011's Hobo with a Shotgun. We assume if you're listening to this episode, you have already seen the movie. Sandro, this is your pick. Um, I'm always, I, I assume last time it didn't go well, so I'm going to ask, have you seen this movie? Before? Yeah, you, you made me watch it. I don't remember that. It must have been a long time ago. Yeah, uh, I don't remember exactly who, but you, me, Alex, and possibly Josh all watched it together. Okay. Well, what made you pick it for this episode, then? I just know it's a movie from close to home for you. and It's definitely a movie that people can talk about, so I figured <laughs> why not. Yeah, there's definitely some stuff to talk about. And not only is it close to home, it was filmed at home for me, so... It's uh, it's great to see that local little director Jason Eisner just saw a chance and leapt at it, and now he's got a fantastic career in film and television. So well done, sir. But uh, it's 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 an odd movie. So uh, let's. Uh, there, there's not much uh, depth to the reason why I picked this movie. That's about it. So. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I just want to say before we get into the notes, um, how this movie came to be. Okay. Um, there was a South by Southwest and uh, Robert Rodriguez contest uh, leading into the Grindhouse double feature that Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino were doing where they each directed a film in a Grindhouse style and it was going to be uh, shown in theaters as a 70s Grindhouse double feature would. Um, Rodriguez did uh, uh, Planet Terror Tarantino did Death Proof, and in, sandwiched in between would be fake movie trailers done by prominent directors like Rob Zombie, Eli Roth, uh, Edgar Wright, so on and so forth. And there was a contest for people to make their own fake movie trailer. Uh, the contest would be, or the winner would be decided at South by Southwest, and the winner would have their trailer sandwiched in between these movies with the other trailers. And Jason did hobo with a shotgun and it won i saw the movies in theater it was great to see his work on the big screen but as soon as it came out it was it didn't do well in theaters like the grindhouse thing but uh people were talking about hobo with a shotgun and he got to turn that into a feature-length film which we'll be talking about today but it wasn't the only movie of the fake trailer or the only fake trailer got turned into a film do you remember what the other one was haven't even seen those movies. Oh, man. Uh, Machete. Okay. Yeah, fake trailer turned into a movie, blew up. It's a film franchise. Uh, kind of hard to make Hobo with a Shotgun a franchise, but having said that, really cool origin story, and let's uh, let's get into hey, the notes. The trailer that they showed for Hobo with a Shotgun in this other movie thingy? Yeah. Did it have the same cast, or was it like, oh, we just made it with random people, and then when it became a movie, we got... You know, like Rutger Hauer in there. Friends and local actors, yeah. Um, the original hobo was played by David Brunt, who's in this movie for a split second, who screams, we're all dirty cops. Um, but yeah, no, they they lucked out and got Rutger Hauer to come on board. I think everybody was very surprised about that. 
And I don't think you could make this movie with anybody else and have it so entertaining. But yeah, want to get that into the plot? sounds like a challenge. Oh, yeah, you do your own, man. Yeah, I'm going to think that about that for a bit. Yeah. Okay. Ruminate on it. Yeah. I'm going to let that simmer a little bit. So into the opening credits, we get the titular hobo, Rutger Howard, traveling the countryside by basically train jumping. Uh absolutely beautiful intro um I, I have notes here reminiscent of sergio leone tarantino a bit the music reminds me of uh, the cannibal and exploitation films of the 70s and eisner really set a tone without any words being spoken just visuals and sound so the train stops and the hobo finds himself in hope town uh where the town sign's been spray painted to read scum town uh and that's not what the police chief calls it no, nope. <laughs> but Scumtown is actually Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, and that's honestly what a lot of people consider it. Scumtown. I, I feel like the intro has an even older feeling camera style than yep. when he gets off the train. Oh, definitely. It like was I got a. This is obviously going to sound stupid, but I got a, a big vibe of the intro for the Littlest Hobo. Uh... Not yeah, like the I content. Can... It's obviously not a dog, but just like that, yeah. like that grassroots camera work that even a smaller budget like TV show would have over a movie. Yeah, and there's a lot of Canadiana rooted in this movie. Um, right not down Dartmouth. The, right down to the <laughs> the final credit song, but no, not Dartmouth. Definitely not Dartmouth. At um, least not a part of Canadiana we want to admit. <laughs> it's getting better. It's, it's getting not lost. us. That's uh, somebody else. Uh, a hobo <laughs> pushing a grocery, or the hobo's pushing a grocery <laughs> cart through the slums. Witnesses two other homeless men being paid to fight on camera. Um, we we used to have listeners in Dartmouth, I think. Used to. Yeah. Uh, the cameraman, uh, played by a guy I went to school with, Pasha. Um, who is one of the nicest people I have ever met, plays an absolute piece of shit in this movie. Yeah. Um, basically filming the bum fight videos from the early 2000s. Yeah, yeah, clearly. Um, next, we get all of the commotion of Logan, played by Rob Wells from the Trailer Park Boys, uh, with a manhole cover around his neck, running through the streets, begging for help. Uh, I was this surprised to see him in this. Oh, I'm not. Keep keep in mind, most of Trailer Park Boys was filmed in you know Dartmouth around surrounding areas uh, before moving to um, New Brunswick. Yeah, I just I didn't have previous knowledge of that. So oh, it was, so it was surprising to see that, right? Yeah. Also, great actor, fun guy to hang out with. I mean, um, regardless of what the rationale is, seeing somewhat more established actors helping out, even if it's in a small role, that's always nice to see. It gives the film more credibility, for sure. Especially for a first-time feature director. Um, this commotion provides our intro to The Drake, played by Brian Downey, and his two sons, Slick, played by Greg Smith, and Ivan, played by Nick Bateman. Uh, so, what do we know about The Drake here? What does he let us know about his character? He's like the criminal mastermind of the town, like the seedy underbelly. Yeah, like basically the the crime lord that oversees almost everything. 
which is hilarious because I don't find him the least bit intimidating. <laughs> this is a Canadian crime lord. Yeah. <laughs> this is the best you can do. Although I do like Brian Downey, but yeah, he's not, great. Not an imposing character. Not at all. Um, the boys, uh, Slick and Ivan. Holy Tom Cruise, Batman. They you get Tom Cruise from that. Yes. Slick gave me a little bit of a Sidney Crosby vibe. Uh-huh. Look well, at him. Look at his face. They're dressed to look like Tom Cruise. Oh, I thought you meant like they're and just they, like actual appearance, like the their yeah. features, not their attire. Oh, no, the attire. That's the whole point with like the Ray-Bans and everything. It's supposed to look like 80s Tom Cruise. Okay, my bad. Uh, Slick, absolutely detestable. Which is hilarious because um, Greg Smith, who was in Small Soldiers and uh, Rookie Blue, uh, I've met a few times. And he is the nicest, most polite, and extremely quiet person I've ever met. Did I say Slick reminded me of Sidney Crosby? I meant Ivan. Yeah, Ivan definitely. I can see that. that that's the one I meant. The, the names got me a little bit mixed up. Yeah, Ivan, uh, played by Nick Bateman, model and actor. Also played one of the plague later on. Hey, I mean, if you got a smaller budget and you got characters and masks, you might as well, right? Yeah. Uh, next is the death of Logan. Uh, killed by being dropped into an open manhole, being stopped by the cover that's around his neck, and having his head torn off with a barbed wire noose tied to a car. I I'm actually surprised that the dropping into a manhole with the cover around your neck didn't do more damage already. You'd think the weight of his body would have just yeah. snapped his neck. Ah, it's like a metal hanging. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although I, there is a quick shot where it looks like rubber, but you get the idea. Yeah. Oh, mm, multiple shots. Uh, <laughs> I was being generous. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like, this is the tone of the movie. We can't really nitpick stuff like that. Low budget special effects. And I think at times intended to look low budget. But, I mean, aside from the fact that that should have done more damage and that it was rubber, the like the idea of that kind of a kill is brutal and not something that I even came close to seeing previously. I've never seen this before, ever. No. Uh, and brutal is a perfect word for it. This movie is brutal. There's some pretty crazy shit that happens in this. Um, I didn't even mind the look of the um, the prosthetic decapitated head. I'm like, yeah, it's obviously fake. It has to be. Uh, but Not it, a bad I, representation of Rob Wells, to be honest. Right? I've seen a lot worse in a, movies with a much larger budget. It's like, this looks fake, but you know it's a fake of who it's supposed to be. So You can identify it easily, yeah. There you go. Points. Uh, the crowd stares on in silence, and the hobo who's hiding behind a house is horrified. Later well, that yeah. day... Yeah. <laughs> How do you not? Yeah. He's like, oh, I thought the. Just looking around at the other people, like, uh, y'all cool with this? Anyone? <laughs> no one. This, huh? this, more, this is the norm here, huh? Uh, later that day, he spots a lawnmower in the window of a pawn shop. Uh, playing on a black and white TV next to it is a video of a family spending time together on their front lawn. A hobo sets out to raise the $49.99 to buy the mower and start a new life. Uh, so, so weird. He was, he was like, I fucking that. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> like, that is 
intense. That man loves him some lawnmower. Yeah. That's... I like the idea, but they're trying to push a lot into a few seconds of him just staring at that thing. Yeah. Um, Next is a scene of him trying to come up with ideas for a cardboard sign with which to beg for change. (laughs) And I love, I am tired, need money for a lawnmower. But first it was what? Um... Need, it was something about needing money for his five-year-old kid who lost his leg. Yeah, some... I forget what it was. Deformity, illness, or whatever. But it yeah. was for a kid. And even he's just like... That's too low. Yeah, that's not me. That's pretty dishonest. Uh, people actually give him change, though. But they, like... They just whip it at his side. I know, better than whipping it at him. Yeah, I know, but he's holding a cup, and they're giving the money anyway. Why throw it at him and not just throw it at the cup? Start with scum town. <laughs> uh, yeah, scum town is what I meant. <laughs> a group of punks, which is weird because I know all of them, and I didn't notice that last time. Uh, assault another homeless man, played by the director Jason Eisner, and drag him into the Drake's club. The hobo puts his sign in a burn barrel, loads up a sock with the change he's collected then heads into the club after seeing Slick arrive. Uh, and what's going on inside the Drake's club, Sandro? Uh, arcades, cocaine, soliciting prostitution. Murder with bumper cars. Um, oh, yeah, they uh, sandwiched <laughs> the guy's head. Yeah. Somehow uh, forgot about that one. And Ivan's already inside, and he's playing the strongman game where you, like, you hit the thing with the mallet, except there's another guy's foot in the way, and his foot just explodes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we cut to the arcade inside here, and did you notice the arcade cabinet that the guy's playing? No. Uh, it's a game called The Plague, where you play as The Plague. Oh! Okay, Which yeah, I thought- no, I just, I just saw an arcade machine, I kind of glanced over it, and it's like, not crucial to the plot. Yeah, it's it's little things like that that jump out though. Like this is an odd introduction to characters that we don't even know are in the movie yet. And by the yeah, time no, we you can them, figure it's just like a crowd shot of a kid playing an arcade. Exactly. Um, well, the kid playing the game is Otis, and Slick tries to get the money owed to him from the boy. I say boy, he's probably in his twenties. Doesn't say. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter because Otis doesn't have the money, and. Ivan comes up and breaks Otis's arm, and that arm break looks pretty good. Doesn't make sense, because he's just snapping it around a joystick, but it looked great. There's a lot of the violence, gore, whatever you would call it, in this movie that looks pretty good, quite over the top, Gratuitous. not very realistic, yeah. but... Your expectations should be set at a point that you don't expect realistic. Yeah. You just have to let it go in this movie. Because, like you said, it is over the top. It, it is extremely gratuitous. Uh, completely unnecessary. But it, that is what this kind of movie has. Um, and what does uh, Slick do after Ivan breaks Otis's arm? Just slams a bunch of cocaine down on top of the arcade. Pocket and, cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> and then rams Otis's face just, into it. Just carrying this around. Just like, here you go. Smack. Just, yeah, just a sandwich bag full of blow. <laughs> Wasn't even in a bag. It oh, almost it looks like he just literally yeah. pulls it out of his pocket. Like, boom. 
No, no, it was definitely in a bag. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's just such a ridiculous shot. And then everybody around the arcade is just fighting each other for it. Oh, yeah. Once Otis hits the ground, everyone just rushes the arcade cabinet. Um, this is also our, our intro to sex worker Abby, played by Molly Dunsworth, who tries to stop Slick from tormenting Otis even further. I mean, kid's high as fuck now. His arm's completely busted. Yeah, he probably doesn't even remember the arm thing right now. At this point? No. I'm sure his <laughs> arm feels fantastic. Uh, Slick tries to abduct Abby, uh, but the hobo steps in, drops Slick with his cane, and then knocks him out by smashing him in the face with a sock full of coins. Which, if you think about it, that sock is pretty full, so he was doing all right. Oh, yeah. No, like, had he gotten one more shot at he probably would have killed Slick. Yeah. But, oh, I was thinking, like, if he didn't follow them into that arcade, he might have been getting closer to that lawnmower. That's true. That was that a was, lot of change. That was a loaded sock. Mm-hmm. Uh, the hobo instead drops Slick's unconscious body off at the police station and demands to see the chief. Tells the chief to round up all the bad people in the city in dump trucks and bury them since people don't go bad like they do in Hope Town. Interesting line. I dig it, though. Uh, the chief agrees but thinks that there are people in the precinct working for Drake. And there's a great shot of the door of the room they're in the interrogation room opening, and you just see, like, Ivan's face peering through. Uh, because it turns out that one of the people working for the Drake is the chief of police. They didn't hold on to that for very long. <laughs> Don't need to, man. Can't like, draw no need anything for subtlety. There's no need for subtlety. <laughs> I, Ivan and Slick enter the interrogation room where Ivan binds the hobo's hands and Slick carves the word scum into the man's chest. Then they ditch him in a dumpster outside. Yeah, that carving would have done a lot more damage to him. Yeah, but just the idea and seeing the action of it was pretty intense. I didn't like I didn't like seeing this. No, it's very uncomfortable. Like it's some very of the effective. stuff. Some of the stuff is so over the top that it doesn't really like trigger like a queeze factor. But this is just so guttural, and yeah, it made me flinch. Yeah, same. Every time I've seen this movie, this one scene just makes me feel gross. Uh, the beaten and bloodied man eventually runs into Abby, and she takes him back to her apartment to rest and thanks him for helping her at the club. Um, we get some bonding here between the two. I, I really like these two together. Um, sit he's sitting in her apartment, and he points out the empty picture frame. Which, his lines here I like, but to me don't really make sense. Like, no, oh, <laughs> especially when he gets on to the bear stuff before yeah. going to bed. But he's like, hey, put a picture of your family in there, dog, bear. Yeah, that's what a picture frame is for. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. She forces him to stay the night, and he can't remember the last time he slept in a real bed. And yeah, here we get the bear story, which... I really enjoyed, but you think was nonsensical? Not that what he said was nonsensical. Why is he talking about it? Like, okay, yeah, she gives him the... Was it a shirt or sweater? It was a sweater to, sweater to change so he wouldn't get blood on her bed. Yeah, which they just, you know, poured some alcohol on his yeah. gaping wounds. <laughs> no <laughs> stitches or anything. We're good. Um, sorry, I got distracted. Also... It would have been so much better if scum was spelled incorrectly to just show how uneducated these people are. But... K. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. S-K. But 
yeah, he sees the bear, but then he goes into this whole thing, like, if a bear gets a taste for blood, it'll become a man killer. It's like, just put the sweater on, dude. Yeah, no, I liked it because he talks about how uh, a bear is a solitary creature, and now we immediately know he's talking about himself. He's like, stay within, like, outside of a mile of a bear, and you'll be fine. Like, No, I get it. It mirrors what's going to happen with him. You get a taste of blood, he becomes a man killer, whatever, but, like, it just seems so unsolicited. I think it fits perfectly. Of course you do. (laughs) Well, it's foreshadowing what what he's going to do. I think it's I think it's really good storytelling. It just comes out of nowhere other than the shirt. But like even just ask a question, something he just goes into it from seeing the bear. Yeah, I thought he asked her or no, he just says I'm going to tell you something about bears. That's right. She gives him the sweater, and then he goes into it. And it's like, you know, could have just said something to lead up to it. Yeah. Well, there, there's something. Okay. not This is completely unrelated to bears. But the acting in this movie so far, I'm really enjoying from everybody. Rucker Hauer, I love. But I don't think anybody's come close to matching him except for Dunsworth. I don't think anybody matches him, and I don't think that they're necessarily trying to. I think part of the method of having him stand out is having everybody else play their role almost like cartoony over the top. Yeah, definitely. And he be the only really subdued character. Uh, Subdued for now. I mean, even when he's <laughs> on his tirade, he his acting doesn't necessarily like his delivery doesn't become over the top. His actions do. Yeah, right. And his, yeah, his actions for sure are ridiculous. But yeah, he tends to maintain the same demeanor. Yep. Uh, after a night of recovering, the hobo sets out for another day, uh, where he witnesses a pimp force an underage girl into a man's car. A maniac dressed like Santa Claus speeding down the street with a child in the back. A guy screaming for help. Just very unsettling. Very unsettling. Uh, Now with uh, even more drive to get out of Scumtown, the hobo goes back to the cameraman and agrees to subject himself for punishment and self-torture to make fast money. uh, Right down to chewing broken glass. I don't understand if he wants to leave why he doesn't just leave. Because he needs the lawnmower. There's got to be a pawn shop in another town with a lawnmower. All he can do is go back the way he came, though, because Scumtown's where the railway ends. The sign says so. Well, I mean, look at what you've witnessed in your first day there. Maybe and let's, you do want to go. Let's completely ignore the fact that you can see Halifax across the harbor. <laughs> that place doesn't look nearly as bad. Let's go over there. There's a bridge. You're sitting under it. You know, you can walk it, right? But I understand it's a self-contained story here. We can't really think about the outside world. Yeah, I mean, if he just said, I'm, I'm piecing out, wouldn't be much of a movie. <laughs> Credits roll! <laughs> he wakes up, he's like, fuck this place, here's your sweater, I'm out. Uh, Abby wakes up on the couch to find the apartment empty, but the hobo has left a thank you note and put a photo of a bear in her empty picture frame. I, I enjoyed that not quite a family or friend like he had suggested, but sure. Yeah. All he had was that like nature magazine next to it. So he ripped the photo out of that. Uh, 
the hobo <laughs> arrives at the pawn shop having finally made enough money to buy his lawnmower and he is so happy he goes inside and he grabs the handle and he's, he starts caressing around. it yeah smell but, it a little bit of course the place is robbed when he's inside three guys in ski masks and guns and a machete hobo tries to hide which i i found surprising because he ducks down and like pulls his hood up and just hopes that no one notices him because at this point he's not a hero yet nope <clears throat> but he notices a shotgun hanging on the wall which is also selling for 49.99 <laughs> he grabs it and straight up massacres these guys you could tell he really hesitated at first like oh he's, yeah he's kind of oh my lawnmower yeah yeah you could tell that that decision really cut him up yeah oh nice um and to reiterate what kind of movie this is you have to believe that in a pawn shop there would be a loaded shotgun hanging on a wall that's easily accessible yeah well i mean he made the right decision obviously he wasn't gonna defeat these assailants with the lawnmower well it's not called hobo with a lawnmower yeah exactly yeah. And a lawnmower is not nearly as fun. The The amount of fun he's going to have with the shotgun, it's just going to be a blast. It gets pretty crazy later, though, with the lawnmower. Um, but he he pays for the shotgun. He leaves the money on the counter and exits the store. It leaves it. He practically tosses it. Yeah. And uh, it's now open season on the criminals of Scumtown. Now, I've just got bullet points here. He starts with the filmmaker, making him eat the videotape. Then the pimp who he just shoots in the face uh and as the uh the underage girl's running away i'm like i look in the back and i'm like my buddy josh used to live there <laughs> um next we get a newspaper headline that reads hobo stops begging demands change and i thought that was fucking hilarious um <sighs> next lame puns it's a great pun <sighs> you I, you of all people should appreciate that I mean, I just said he was going to have a blast with a shotgun. That is not my style. Yeah, fair enough. Next victims, two coked out guys playing cards for three women who are hanging in chains behind them. Yeah, that was... I did not need a backstory to that one. I saw I, yeah, enough. No. Of, yeah, I saw enough of that that I didn't need to see more. Yeah, I was thinking, like, who are these guys? And no, then I thought about I, it for a second know. later. I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't need to know who these guys are. No. No. But when the hobo <laughs> walks in and he's got his like toque pulled down over uh, up to like just above his nose, he's got the eyes cut out and he's just he's got his own shotgun in his mouth under his front teeth and he's just laughing at them. These guys are so coked up they start laughing too and then he just murders them. Uh, next newspaper headline: Parents smile as bodies pile. Vigilante inspires neighborhood watch. Like this is all it took, people. <laughs> really. <laughs> That's our reaction. There's a guy out here mass murdering people with a shotgun. We should start a neighborhood watch and chip in. Yeah. <laughs> Next victim, the uh, pedo Santa Claus. Good. Yeah. Uh, it was, that was a very uncomfortable scene. Uh, newspaper again. Hobo delivers justice one shell at a time. And someone tries to smash the paper box and grab the bundle of papers, which they do, but immediately gets shot. It seems like a crime that maybe uh, the punishment doesn't fit. Nope. Nope. <laughs> like, uh, okay, you know, playing cards for the possession of three, like, <laughs> entrapped women. 
okay, stealing some newspapers, yeah. <laughs> maybe let that guy off with a warning. Dartmouth. Cut to the Drake's Club, where the crime lord is in a rage over the hobo's antics. Um, sends his uh, sons out into the city to uh, instill fear again. Uh, before we get into what happens next, uh, in the background behind Drake is a man uh, hanging upside down from chains, uh-huh. and uh, three like, like almost completely yeah three almost completely naked women uh, are just beating him with baseball bats. Yeah, like a pinata. This is a very awkward scene for me because I know those people. And it's oh. weird seeing your friends almost completely nude in a movie. Well, I didn't know them, and I was fine with it. Yes, I'm sure you were. Uh, but Drake has a great line here. And he tells the boys, when life gives you razor blades, you make a bat covered in razor blades. And pulls out a razor blade baseball bat, which he just turns around and swings into the hanging man, almost cutting him into guts pouring everywhere. Yeah, well, his life just went tits up. Oh, you're getting better at these. No, I'm not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Believe in yourself, man. I just take a swing and see if I hit. Uh, next, we have the school bus scene. Not a fan. Don't yeah. want to talk about it. You can I cover this knew, one. I knew you were going to hate this. I, I <laughs> imagine you skimmed through it. No, I watched it, but you know me and innocent children. Yeah. Uh, well, Ivan and Slick enter a school bus, Slick with a flamethrower on his back, uh, and he's trying to rile the kids up. He's like, hey, kids, do you like school? Do you like this? Do you like that? And they're cheering, and then he's like, do you like hobos? And they're like, yeah! And then we get the I hate hobos line, and he just incinerates the children in the school bus. Next, the boys invade a live TV news broadcast and kill George Strombolopoulos with an ice skate and imply to the viewers that hobos are to be killed on site or Ivan and Slick will kill the rest of the children in the city. I I like that they kill him with an ice skate because this is what, 2011? Was this before he became host of Hockey Night? I believe so, yes. So that that was kind of nice. Yeah. And also, the ice skate seems to be uh, Ivan's thing, so goes along with your Crosby reference. Ah, it's all coming together. Yeah. Uh, what a threat, though. People of Scumtown, if you see a hobo, kill them or we'll kill your children. Yeah. They set the stakes pretty high there. Uh, the police set out to find the hobo. Uh, great appearance here, like I said earlier, by David Brunt as one of the officers where uh, Scott from uh, from Picnic Face says, uh, at least he's only killing the dirty cops, and he jumps with the line, we're all dirty cops. Mm-hmm. Citywide hunt for the homeless is now on, and there are some nasty deaths here, too. Like, being crushed by construction equipment, uh, the horrible scene of a mother and daughter being burned alive in a dumpster. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like this movie does not pull any punches whatsoever. I have no. to commend Eisner and, uh, uh, oh my God, uh, John Davies, the uh, writer for this. Like, they had a vision and they definitely brought it to life. You guys are sickos. <laughs> they are, but they're 
amazing sickos, man. Um, a creepy cop who we saw before tries to rape Abby during the chaos, but the hobo blows his head off and he gets really into it here and just keeps shooting the corpse over and over again. And he somehow in his mind is himself convinced that Abby is a teacher. Yeah, I don't it know came where up that a couple of times, but yeah, I don't know where that came from either. Well, like she even says at one point, you know, I'm not really a teacher. And he says, well, like everybody's got to have a dream. Yeah, that's later so, on in the hospital. Yeah, but that indicates that he knows she's not, but he just keeps doing it, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, Whatever. I don't know. That, I, that was lost on me. I thought I missed something, but maybe not. Uh, one thing I really liked about this scene, though, is that yeah. the gunshots alert the nearby townspeople to the hobo's locations. Um, but Abby hides him in a shopping cart covered with the corpse of the other cop and makes it past the mob. Uh, yeah. I mean, do what you got to do to survive, but that's... Uh... That's gross. It's That's so, so gross. gross. I loved it. It was great, though. It's so cringy. Um, they go to Abby's apartment, but as they're going inside, they're seen by Otis. Uh, inside, though, Abby and the hobo excitedly formulate a plan to get out of Scumtown and start a lawn mowing business. I but love first that. he has to go wash the cop's <laughs> arse off his yeah. face. I have to go wash this guy's ass off my face. Uh, I love how they're packing. He's like, take what you need. And she's like grabbing the television. He's like, no, no, no. We have to travel light. What? Why would she think to grab the TV? I don't know. At this point, this town, like it doesn't make any sense, but okay. I understand. Like she's in shock for sure, but it's a weird moment of comedy. We don't really need in the movie. I don't think, but it was a creative choice. So, uh, Otis tells Slick and Ivan where the where the two are, and the brothers invade Abby's apartment. Ivan in his skates, yep, wearing his ice skates the whole time. He sure is. Uh, Slick assaults Abby viciously while Ivan skate stomps the hobo. That made me cringe too. I'm surprised it didn't do more damage. To it the really hobo. should have. Yeah, he he gave him the beats for a while. Oh yeah. But that, like, that's nowhere near as bad as Slick starting to slice into Abby's neck with a hacksaw. Yeah. That looked crazy good. It should have killed her. Oh, yeah, <laughs> totally. Flat out. But this is not that kind of movie. We know. No, like, we knew she was going to survive. She's the, like, sidekick. Exactly. We all saw it coming. Uh, one part... I, no, I'm not. I'm not laughing. I refuse. <laughs> the the hobo electrocutes Ivan when Ivan rolls over the counter. The hobo shoves a toaster up, and in, Ivan gets his skate stuck in it. And yeah, I thought that was it. Killed him the first time I saw him. I'm like, oh, Ivan's electrocuted and he's dead. He's not dead. He managed yeah. to move. I thought he was toast too. Oh, see, that was much better. None uh, of them are good. No, they're great, man. <laughs> Gotta believe in yourself. Nope. Uh, <laughs> the, the hobo shoots Slick in the dick, uh, but before the boy dies, he manages to call his father in the phone booth. Can, can we talk about how he takes the time to, like, 
duct tape the duct shotgun. Duct tape the shotgun to his crotch? I mean, if you're just going to shoot him in the dick, shoot him in the dick. Yeah, I don't know why you would take him outside. It's Unless like, he's assuming there are people out there waiting for them. That yeah, or like he didn't know he was going to shoot him and he needed to bring him with him and he needed his hands free to carry Molly or Abby. Like, mm-hmm. I don't understand. If you're just going to shoot him in the dick, don't be a cock tease. Oh, come on. <laughs> I quit. <laughs> um, I found Slick's death here appropriate. Uh, because after having his entire groin blown off, really, uh, as he's dying, the scorched school bus rolls up in front of him and basically drags him to hell. Now, I would say that was a great death hallucination, but with the way this movie's going, that could entirely be real in that world. Yeah, I mean, it's so ridiculous, but the movie has been so much so up until this point that I didn't even question it. It's like, no, it's, yeah, all right, cool. All yeah, right. It, it's so ridiculous, and you're so along for the ride. You just accept something like this as, yeah, that would happen. Especially when we get into stuff like the plague. But uh, the hobo takes Abby to the hospital after this, and she's not doing too well. She shouldn't be. She should be dead. She should have died a long time ago. She shouldn't have made it out of the apartment. Yes! <laughs> um, Drake summons the plague to take care of things. And I don't even know how you would describe the plague. Uh, you want to give it a shot? Like, what are they? Uh, road warriors meet the Tin Man? Yeah, Wikipedia describes them as armor-clad demons. And I think that's a great way of putting it, because they are clad in armor yes but i don't know if they're even like human there's like a a touch of supernatural feeling to it i don't know yeah there really is it does not feel at all in place with the rest of this movie and i'm jumping ahead here later but you see in their den that they're like holding like an octopus or something too some giant tentacled creature and it's like this just doesn't seem to fit. I know this movie is over the top and realistic, unrealistic, but this touch of supernatural just stands out. It does, but I like it. Like I'm along with everything so far. This is a, a stretch for sure, but I, I accept it. And I think they look badass, really badass. But I they, thought that their armor was a little not great. I, I thought it was fantastic. However, I do hate when uh, uh, one of them... Oh, God, I forget which one it was. Shit. It doesn't matter. Anyway, the one who actually has the moving mouth looked a lot like a puppet when he speaks. Like um, like from Muppets or Sesame Street. It, it, I, had, I had to laugh at it. I like a lot of that Muppets and Sesame Street stuff. <laughs> uh... Somehow the doctors actually save Abby. Okay. Miracle workers. Yeah. <laughs> but I love how, like, as she flatlines originally, the nurse starts screaming, Live, you whore! And the doctor just jumps on top of her and starts wailing on her heart with his fist. And that yeah. brings her back. And, like, now you're just beating a dead person. That's, uh, 
not how I remember that in CPR class, but okay. Yeah. But yeah, this is where uh, you talked about before about how Abby and, and the hobo have a, a talk in the ho- or the uh, hospital room where she says, you know, I'm not really a teacher, right? Because he brings her a, a cup, uh, a styrofoam cup with dead dandelions in it, telling her it would look good on her desk. And he's point, just really, like, he's just committed to the bit. I feel like he's just crazy now. Like he, he snapped somewhere along the way. I don't know immediately where, but he does seem crazy. <laughs> Take your pick, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's a lot <laughs> that should have sent him off the deep end. Probably the, like, the murder spree. Yeah, if any of this that you witnessed happened for real, any one of them could have pushed you over the top <laughs> and just yeah. completely lost your grip on sanity. But I mean, if we're going to take this in a realistic perspective, imagine getting off that train and seeing like, welcome to scum town. I wouldn't like, get off that train. Yeah, I'd be like, nope, I'm good. Yeah, even if it just turns around and goes back the way it came, I'd be like, well, one of those other places I passed must be better than this. Uh we get one of my favorite parts next uh, where the hobo lets Abby rest and goes to visit the maternity ward where they have, you know, the, the baby room. I don't know what it's really called, but all of the newborns in the room and you can look through that giant window at them. And he delivers an amazing monologue. And I'm not going to say anything about it other than it goes from exactly one hour, 40 seconds into the movie to one hour, two minutes, 13 seconds. That's Some of the best. It is. And he nails it. It's a a great, great monologue setting up how hope dies if you stay in this town. And talking about going from perfection and high expectation to the bottom of the barrel in your entire life. Um, but the plague arrives at the hospital and they just murder everybody. Everybody. And it's one of my favorite scenes too, man. Like the red lighting and just seeing these two armor clad things with a weird spear gun which is weird because like they throw a noose around people's necks and then fire a spear gun through the ceiling which just shoots up through and hangs them I'm not quite sure why they're killing the hospital workers no idea I guess they just kill whatever's in their path yeah which is fine it makes them look terrifying and unstoppable which is what you want uh, the hobo goes to check on Abby, but the plague have gotten to her first, and they just knock him out and leave her in the room. Outside, they lock him in a metal coffin and speed off on their motorcycles, dragging the box along the road behind them. And now, here's where we get the plague's hideout. And I just have, what is that octopus thing? Dot, dot, dot. It doesn't fit. <laughs> no. I, I like it, man. I, I Do you think it detracts from the movie? Uh, I mean, it's, it's so... <clears throat> To me, yes. But I think one of the biggest reasons that it detracts is that it is so minor and so unnecessary to the plot that it's just like, why have it in there? You literally could have just had other people they had captured and tortured. I think the only way this tentacle monster thing works is having it exactly at this point in the movie. Like, if you saw it beforehand, you'd just be like, I, why? Why? But having I mean, it here after we after we've already been introduced to the plague, then we've seen how much horror they dish out at the hospital, and then you see like it, everything is heightened in this movie. It goes crazier, 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 crazier. And at this point, you're so like, "What the fuck is happening?" And you see that, and you're like, "The fuck is that?" 
But you just go with it because you know this movie's just going crazy now. Not a fan. That's fine. It's not for everybody. This movie is definitely not for everybody. I like I said, I can let it go because it's so minute, but that also is part of the issue because it's like it's so minute that it really just didn't need to be in there. Yeah, and there was also a moment here, like a couple of seconds, that gave some character to the plague too, which I found strange because I just saw them as like crazy evil henchmen. But it turns out they're more so just people who are willing to do anything for money, just hired hands. Because like they're they're really not mean. Well, I mean, other than putting the hobo into the coffin and dragging him along the road. Or but like, killing the innocent hospital workers that I guarantee were not part of the no, bounty. No, I meant mean to the hobo. Oh, okay. Like, one of them even, like, he, a hobo can see through a little uh, slot in the coffin cover, coffin lid, and asks for a light for his smoke. And, they, yeah, they one guy just walks over and lights it for him. And you're like, that seems yeah. out of place. Why would he do that? And it just started making me think about the characters. Does it Does it work? maybe not, but it made me ask the question. Yeah, well, they just don't care. Just flat yeah. out, yeah, you want a cigarette? I don't give a shit. Fine. Yeah. Have one. Yeah, he wants you dead anyway. May as well get a head start. Uh, Abby heads to the pawn shop, saws off the barrel of the hobo's shotgun. How and is she walking? Oh, it's a full recovery. It only takes a full <laughs> hours. Even if somehow we were to believe the doctor saved her, she's going to be in bed for a very long time. But okay, fine. Yep. Next, she cuts the top off of the lawnmower and welds it into a shield with rotor blades. Uh, suits up, dons a welding mask, and hits the street. This part seemed rushed to me, where she just immediately gives a rousing, eye-opening speech to an angry mob, persuading them to switch sides. This part felt rushed to you, not like her medical recovery. That's fine. That's yeah. real. <laughs> The, the, this movie is grounded in realism. You understand that. Yeah, but this felt oh, yeah. rushed to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Drake's putting on a show for the remaining scum of the city. And what is the spectacle? The death of the hobo. Hobo. Hobo <laughs> via manhole cover collar decapitation. That seems to be his go-to. He likes that one. Yeah. I kind of thought they would play it up a bit more, though. Especially with how, like, the amount of chaos... And death the hobo has caused, you think would want Drake to kill him in a worse way than he killed his brother. Because we can only assume that Logan did not do nearly the damage that the hobo did. Yeah, I would have thought it would be something like more slow and torturous. Yeah, exactly. If you put him in the manhole, just leave him there to hang. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. But Um, in my opinion, we next next we get one of the funniest lines of the movie. Uh, where the plague opened the coffin lid and pulled a hobo out, and he's like, get your hands off me, demons. You're crushing my smokes. I'm like, that's that's where we are in this movie. That's his concern. Abby arrives and sneaks up on Ivan and threatens to turn his head into mulch. The Drake disarms her of the threat by shooting his only living son. (sighs) I mean, survive that long just for that? Yeah. Okay, sure. I feel so bad for Ivan. Not not like, I think he's a bad person, but like, he wants to be loved by his father, and he's never living up to Slick. And well, he, he even he, says it when he goes to check on the hobo in the prison dungeon, yeah. whatever it is. 
that like now I'm gonna be the the top uh, saver, right? Like, yeah. But no, not at all. Uh, Abby kills Grinder. Oh, that was Grinder. Yes, of uh, of the plague. The one who doesn't actually say any words, just talks in long intonations. Uh, then cuts the rope attached to the hobo's head. Drake forces Abby's hand into the still-running lawnmower, and in a mad rage, she stabs him repeatedly with the bone protruding from her wrist. Uh, that was pretty cringy for me, too. The, Not, like, bad, but, like, I uh, it was unsettling. I didn't cringe on that one, but I sat here thinking the twisted mind that yeah. came up with stabbing the guy with your own shredded bone... Yeah, that's Davies, John Davies, man. He's he and Eisner had some ideas, and they brought those ideas to life. So the types of ideas that you don't don't share in other walks of life, or they put you in a straitjacket. <laughs> uh, it gets even worse for me, man, because Abby next rescues the hobo from the manhole with like, one she, hand, because the other one's a bone. Yeah, but she can't lift him with that one hand, so she puts the bone through one of the holes in the cover and leans on it. To yeah, like, that... Uh, just to pry that, that it up off the ground. That was hard to watch. It was fantastic. I mean, she's really utilizing this broken hand pretty well. Yeah, <laughs> she is. She should be down and out, but, uh, you know, I guess she's a prostitute. She's used to being boned, <laughs> so now she's doing the boning. Oh, oh! <laughs> I quit. I quit. Um, but yeah, she does. She does. Um, she does rescue the hobo from the manhole. But uh, the last me- or living member of the plague, Rip, states that Abby must replace Grinder in the plague. He then turns away and walks off. And I think that's a pretty neat idea. Uh, the corrupt police officer. Uh, officers, sorry, arrive and hold the hobo at gunpoint before he can shoot Drake. In turn, the armed city residents arrive, guns drawn on the police. And I, I like how this movie ends because that's pretty much what we're getting now. Uh, the hobo realizing that the shift in the the city power struggle has happened, he points the gun at the Drake. And I'm not going to mention what the Drake says, but the hobo's line is, "You and me are going on a car ride to hell." you're riding shotgun and then just obliterates the Drake's head. The police open fire on the hobo and the crowd retaliate with gunfire hailing down onto the police. The hobo's lifeless body collapses onto the pavement and Abby's screams fill the night air. Roll credits end movie. Now I just got to figure out how they're going to get the hobo in the sequel. (laughs) (laughs) I love that ending, man. It's such a good ending because he, he knows he's not going anywhere. The crowd is like the city residents have taken over the city again. The corrupt police force are dead. I mean, that's going to be an issue with the courts down the road, I'm sure, because the entire city just murdered the police force. But I don't yeah, know. I if you're the courts, a- are you going to stand up to that crowd? You saw well, that's a good point, too. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're uh, no, no, yeah. we are a crowd with guns. Yeah. But really, it just leaves a mob run city again, just. A different type of mob. Oh, yeah. That's going to be much worse than the current condition of yeah. it. I, I do have to say, though, the song choice for the uh, credit roll was great. 
uh, Run With Us. I'm assuming you remember that song at all? Nah. No, that you do, right? Nah. You're serious. Did you ever watch The Raccoons as a kid? Yeah, I did. It's a theme song to The Raccoons. No, no, I don't remember that. It was a long time ago, man. I'm old. What do you want? Good point. Wait, am I wrong? It was the... It's from The Raccoons. I don't know. You're the one yeah, telling me. It is. It is from The Raccoons. Leave me alone, goddammit. Leave you alone. You're the one bugging me about it. I thought you were talking about a show about raccoons, and now you're badgering me? Oh, fuck you. I mean, no, that was pretty good, <laughs> but fuck you. <laughs> um, I think I'm going for a record this episode. You know, you yeah, definitely hit a record. Um, I just want to say before we talk about like the budget or ratings and awards and stuff like that, uh, people should really look into what Eisner's been working on. Um, he did a short film before Hobo called Treevenge, where Christmas trees take revenge on people that you know use them. Did a segment in the ABCs of Death called Why is for Young Buck. Uh, also the Slumber Party Alien Abduction segment from VHS2. Uh, executive producer on Turbo Kid, which we've covered, is fantastic. Such a good movie. Yeah. Worked on the uh, Death Note film, which I know a lot of people give shit for. But, I mean, it can't all on be up. hits. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he's his new movie he's working on right now, he's a director and co-writer of Kids vs. Aliens. And I'm totally down for that. That sounds fantastic. Just the premise alone. However, he's also a uh, creator and host director of uh, Dark Side of the Ring uh, for Vice, which uh, discusses the darker side of professional wrestling and has been a massive hit. So he has done very well for himself, and I'm so happy for him. But let's talk money, Sandro. There's a lot of fake blood in this. It must have cost a fair amount, yes? I don't know. I think they were probably pretty smart with the money, the way that they spent it. And they hid some things, reused some cast members. Yep. That's not terribly bad, I don't think. I'm sure Rucker Hauer was not cheap. I would say, if I if I had to guess, I would say the majority of the budget probably went to actors. Uh, yeah, you sure. know, a large part of that pie being Rutger Hauer. Yeah. But Greg, too. I'd be shocked if this was more than $5 million. Oh, it's definitely not more than $5 million. Uh, I could see uh, as low as two. It's three. Three million. Uh, you know, give me enough guesses, I would have gotten there. Yeah. Well, you're pretty close. Um, it did not make much money. Uh, and I can't say I'm surprised. It's a very niche genre film that you know the masses aren't really hungry for should i say you want to take a, a rough guess at what it pulled in half one and a half million like half of its budget i meant one one point five mm, no it didn't it didn't hit a million uh that's i mean yeah. i'm not overly surprised K. but i was kind of hoping it could at least hit that yeah and now that's just like that doesn't take in uh, digital and uh, physical sales. Yeah, that's and just box office, right? Exactly. And it Did is, it even get a, a, like a full wide release in theaters, or was it like a limited? I want to say limited. Um, 
but let me just double check on that one here. Uh, world premiere at Sundance. So, yeah, limited uh, theatrical release in Canada and America. Yeah, because uh, honestly, without having seen the Grindhouse movies, um, I didn't even know about this movie until you told me about it. So it's uh, like I can't imagine. That's a shame. That it would have like because I I figure if it would have gotten a wide release, I would have at least remembered seeing a trailer for it being in the theater or something. Yeah. Uh, but I wouldn't uh, have seen it, but I would have seen the trailer <laughs> for it. Uh, moving on to the ratings, though, the people that did see it, how do you think they reacted to it with IMDb? I mean, this has cult classic written all over it, but 100%. I'm going to go 5 out of 10. I think it'll balance out. 6.1. Okay, so a little bit above what I thought, because I'm, I'm sure there's going to be people that absolutely detest it, and then there's going to be the cult oh, yeah. following that, uh, like... Um, kind of balances it out but yeah hey, like, above five is pretty good in my opinion yeah guaranteed there's a lot of people that hate this movie and that's just because they don't get it but yeah there are there are a bunch that do enjoy it uh well, their issue is that they're trying to get it yeah, yeah there's you don't get this movie you just watch no it. you you take it in yeah uh tomato meter rotten tomatoes is there a critic score yes I have to imagine the critic score is going to be lower because I think a lot of critics don't get it, as you put. So, 27? 66. Oh, jeez. Okay. Yeah. A lot of people saw what uh, Eisner and Davies are going for and, uh, yeah. Realized I would have gone in that solid. direction for the fan uh, numbers. Like, I would have said that fans could be even, say, as high as like a 70, 71. Uh, but I didn't think the critics would. Yeah. A lot of them saw what the point of the movie was and kind of dug it for that. And a lot of them just kind of shit on it for not breaking new ground, but they're, they're not trying to, they were trying to make a movie that you would see it from that time. And they did a really good job at it. The audience score on Rotten Tomatoes though, did not go in the direction you were thinking. What? I know it doesn't make sense. I am off with my guessing today. Yeah. The audience score is 57. Okay. So it's still above the five. I mean, it's closer in line with IMDb. Yeah. Um, hop into uh, awards. You got it, buddy. What did you have for least favorite character? Uh, the Drake, played by Brian Downey. Really? He didn't do a bad job, and I get what they were doing with the character. He's like, imagine the crime lord ruling over this town is basically a squeaky little rat. That's how he came across to me, and I think that's what they're going for. But. This movie is so incredibly violent and over the top. I think you need to have a character that necessitates that amount of violence. And I don't think the Drake was really there. I don't think you needed the Drake. You could have honestly filled that role with the two sons. Agreed. Yes. They took over the town maybe from this supposed former father and killed their uncle and got power crazy and... Well, what does, what does the Drake do when he needs to instill fear in the city again? He sends the sons out to do it. And then the plague. So, and then, yeah. He doesn't quite... I mean, yes, he gets his own hands dirty, but it's like a last resort thing. Yeah. yeah. Yourself? I went with Slick. Least favorite? Yeah, I'd, I mean, I'm going from the standpoint of really, like, I, I just detested this character. Okay, I cool. Hated so him. Are, I wanted him to character, get his. not performance. 
Yeah, no, no, no. I'm not doing performance. I'm legit saying the character. I cool. This character was despicable, right? Like mm-hmm. with um, Ivan, there's at least this. I don't want to say charm, but there is this part of him where it's like he's just having so much fun. He's trying to get the favor of his father. There's a little bit more dimensions to him. Whereas like Slick is just a detestable person. And I was glad to see him get his. Yeah. Ivan's more of like a rich kid bro. And Slick is just evil. All right. Favorite character? I think that this has got to go to Rutger Hauer as the hobo, both in regards to character and performance. Yeah, definitely. I'd say um, Molly as Abby as a, a very close second for me, though. I wouldn't say very close. That's fine. She can I absolutely did. be second, but Rutger Hauer really raised that bar to a level that it really, I mean, maybe was even unfair to the rest of the cast to have oh, to try was. and live up to that. Yeah, Definitely. I mean, he's got such a, a long and established career, though. Um, memorable lines. With um, You probably got ten. There are a lot. I just I, I was making notes of them for a while. I'm like, I just have to stop. Uh, you could make a very strong argument for his monologue in the hospital. But I picked the line that really stuck out in my mind as being a perfect representation of how mean and dirty this movie can be. And it is also a line from the hobo. And it's when he's rescuing Abby from Slick at the uh, outside of the arcade or the club at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Where he just says, put the knife away, kid. Or I'll use it to cut welfare checks from your rotten skin. And that like, line didn't land with me. Uh, totally landed with me. Because it's ridiculous, but scary, violent, and brutal. And Fair. the way he delivers it, like... He emphasizes, puts major emphasis on the T's in rotten. It's like rotten. And then the way it's just says skin. And like, that's not how he speaks in the movie. So it was intentional and it worked really well for me. I'm surprised it didn't land for you, but I I can easily see why this would be nowhere near a memorable line for you. Oh, I remembered it, but I remembered it for not particularly liking it. Oh, weird. Okay. Hey man, you you come from a guy like uh, my background of, you know, cheesy 80s action I need more uh, puns and cleverness from the lines not just cutting deep <laughs> okay uh, I went with a very probably uh, predictable cliche uh, line here and uh, it is also I think representative of this movie but when Abby says to the hobo you can't solve all the world's problems with a shotgun and almost dejectedly, he says, it's all I know. Yeah. Right? And it's like, yeah. And to be honest, violence seems to be the only thing that Scumtown knows. And fight fire with fire. It's like, that. this is the only way that this world goes round. Yeah, but my problem there, and that's a great line to pick. I'm just saying the problem with the hobo saying that line is we have no reason to believe that's true. We have no reason to believe that he goes from town to town and all he knows is violence. 
So it just kind of seemed mis- mismatched to the character for me. Because we assume well, he's Unless he's you consider the idea life. that he was constantly moving because he was always running away from problems. It's entirely possible. But he also seems incredibly welcoming. Like, even at the beginning, uh, during the credit scene on the train, like, as the train crosses a road, he's waving at the car that stops for it. Like, he's super friendly. So you think somebody who's been running all the time or been subjected to horrible scenarios their whole life would be a little bit more self-preserving and more um what's the word i'm looking for introverted i guess not necessarily because i mean it could just be a a a willing full tactic of turning a blind eye to the issues and just piecing out that's not going to change your demeanor and again this is all speculation so we don't know Mm mm-hmm but I have a feeling that that line will stand out for a lot of people who see the movie. So, Yeah, it could. All right. Um, I do scene, right? Yeah. Uh, for me, it's the, the monologue in front of the, the baby room in the hospital. Yeah. The, he's, he's like lamenting the eventual loss of innocence. And yep. by doing it in front of a room of babies... It almost magnifies the idea of how early in life this town will ruin you. It's not like you're going to have like a shielded childhood and it's not until you get into like adulthood where you see what the world is really about. Like this is your moment of innocence and that's it. And it's almost like he's mourning it. Yeah, I'm right there with you. It's, I mean, if you ask me for a memorable scene, I'd say pick any of the film there's so much to talk about in every scene but yeah that that is a fantastic one for sure and if i were to have to try and explain to somebody why they should watch this movie i would say for actual you know for an over-the-top gory action revenge film it has some very intense moments of depth and philosophy and that would be the scene i would use so yeah i agree with you on that one um, we went through this movie fast, man. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that happens in this movie that you can't really talk about too much. You just watch the gore scene and there isn't really much to pick apart, right? Yeah, uh, it's it's pure trash, but done very well. That being said, uh, why don't you share your final thoughts on Hobo with a Shotgun? Uh, I love it. I really do. And it's not because I know people, the people that made it or people that were in it. It's that it remains fresh every time you watch it. Like, I hadn't seen this movie in a long time until you suggested it last week. And I was kind of ho-hum about it. I'm like, I've seen it so much, so I want to watch it again. And I've watched it three times since then. And I've picked out little things I missed every single time I've watched it before. It's a lot of fun. Uh, It's a high recommend for people that love uh, grindhouse style movies, revenge movies, just dirty, hard action, super bloody, ridiculous, over the top, fun crime films. Um, It's not for everybody. And I highly suggest that if you're even thinking about watching the movie, look into it a little bit more because some of it can be very upsetting for some people. Uh, and there's 
many different scenes that can gross you out. Uh, so you have to be prepped for it. You have to go into this movie knowing what it is and wanting to watch it. You can't just throw it on and be like, oh, it was a pleasant surprise. Um, but I, I, I recommend it. I can't not. Um, I, I recommend picking up the Blu-ray as well because not only does it look great, it's got multiple commentary tracks with the, uh, the director and the writer as well as uh, the cast. Uh, some really fun deleted scenes, one of which I should say is an alternate ending, Sandro. Uh, where Abby ends up joining the plague. Uh, Yeah, there's just a lot of fun with this movie. Uh, High recommend for you. I'm going to stop rambling. What about you, man? Well, the reason that I picked the movie is because I remember watching it with you and Alex and, I don't know, possibly Josh, I don't remember, but at least watching it with other people and enjoying it. Not so much the second time by myself. Um... I can't say I don't recommend it, but it absolutely is the kind of movie where ah, one viewing, maybe watch it with a friend who already has seen it and knows they like it. Uh, Otherwise, you might just be kind of deterred by it. Put off. Yeah, I, I wish I had more to say. I was a little bit disappointed in my reaction to it when I watched it after recommending it. Yeah. It's a weird one, man. Uh, it's one of the weirdest we've covered, for sure. But I can't say that I don't remember enjoying it a lot when we watched it together the first time. I just think I should have possibly left it at that. A one viewing with a group of friends. Nice fond memory of it. I didn't like detest it the second time, but it just didn't really uh, excite me as much. That makes sense. That makes sense. Like you're not really a grindhouse guy anyway, or an exploitation guy anyway. So yeah, that that does make a lot of sense. And I know we've said this a fair amount recently. It's also partially complemented by the idea that this is not a movie you watch under a microscope for any reason. No, yeah, you shouldn't be picking this one apart. You should just have fun with it. Yeah. All right, so that was our thoughts on Hobo with a Shotgun. If you want to share your thoughts with us, you can hit us up on social media. We are on Twitter at BSBargainBin, Facebook.com slash BSBargainBin, or you can leave a comment in the comments section of the YouTube video. I don't know what you would call it, page, website, uh, YouTube. We'll just say that. Ben, yeah. that was really quick, but that gives us a lot more time to start watching the next movie. What's that going to be next week? Uh, well, let's let's switch over to a, a film that we can look into a lot and pick apart, and not because it's good. Uh, next week, we're talking 1992's Under Siege. It was the final voyage of America's mightiest battleship. What's on this helicopter? This little sweetheart. Miss July 89. God, I love this business. I love you. The party was wild. Love you again. They really knocked them dead. Imagine this arsenal of tactical nuclear weapons falling into the wrong hands. The Pentagon never did. Four minutes ahead of schedule. Damn, I'm good. Now, a team of terrorists have taken over. Wake up the president. But there's just one thing they didn't count on. The cook. Let go of me! Are you like some special forces guy or something? No, I'm just a cook. Oh, my God. 
God, we're gonna die. This is not the work of a cook. I want you to coordinate your efforts with us. Yes, sir. I see that you completely disobeyed my orders. Roger that. Ryback is an ex-seal. Expert in martial arts. Explosives. Weapons and tactics. I also cook. The Nimitz is tracking two tomahawks just launched from the Missouri. Where are they headed? Honolulu. Happy trails. Steven Seagal. I know you, don't I? Tommy Lee Jones. Been a long time. I'll see you in hell, Santa Boy! Under Siege. Until next week, have a good one. All the best, guys.